Welcome to Inclusive Gathering Birmingham. My name is Danielle. Um, if you haven't been with us before, uh, we are an inclusive and affirming church that really is interested in being on the journey together um, of learning and growing and being people that can kind of be honest about what we don't know and um, can learn about justice and Jesus and um, what it means to kind of live in this world and this life with integrity and hope. Um, so today I'm really excited that we're having a guest with us, um, Alistair McIntosh, who is um, a world-renowned uh, author and speaker on the climate crisis and a pioneer in Scottish land reform, um, is being interviewed today by Joel about um, his new book, Riders on the Storm, The Climate Crisis and the Survival of Being. So welcome, if you've not been with us uh, before, this is a good time to check us out. Um, so, like I said, whether you're gay or straight, whatever your gender identity, whatever uh, your race or ethnicity, whatever your theological background, whether you believe in God or you don't or you aren't sure, you're really welcome to be with us just as you are. Hi, I'm Rachel Handley and um, I'm just going to do a prayer together and um, if you'd like to, you can join in with this. Lord of heaven and earth. You started us in a garden. You formed us from that good dirt. Every day you breathe life into our dusty bones and pour living water on our clay hearts. Let us start here. Let us begin together now with you, with this ground beneath our feet. Though it may be heavy laden with traces of lead paint and microplastics hardened with blood red clay, sparkling with broken glass, tainted with arsenic from years of abuse, we trust that you have the power to redeem every inch of this earth. We are starting here with willing hands and hearts. Bring your healing to our soil. Let us get our hands dirty with we remember the tears of ancestors, sisters and brothers pushed off of this land. We honour the bones of ancestors, sisters and brothers pushed to work this land. We lament the tyranny of ancestors, sisters and brothers pushed by greed to exploit this land. Lord, bring your healing to our soil. Get our hands dirty with the work that you have for us. Bless the sweat, bless the tears, bless the bones. May you bring life and redemption to the ground beneath our feet. Lord of resurrection, in your mercy, send earthworms and nematodes. Rhizomes and protozoa, let them find a home in this soil. May it be crawling with life that our eyes may never see. 
Lord, bring life to the ground beneath our feet. Let the dirt beneath our nails remind us of your resurrection power. Amen. Today we are joined by poet, activist, scholar, writer, Alistair McIntosh. And um, we're going to talk about his new book, Writers on the Storm. Um, I fell in love with his work through two books, Soil and Soul, People versus Corporate Power, and Poacher's Pilgrimage, both poetic, strange, beautiful, inspiring. So when he wrote a new book, I thought, let's get him and see if we can, we can chat with him. So welcome, Alistair. Thank you so much. I guess the first thing I wanted to ask was David Attenborough's uh, rhetoric. Uh, you know, he is, he is one of the most famous uh, environmentalists of our time. Is his rhetoric alarmist or not? I, I think that um, Attenborough, and I should say, we, we don't have television in this house, so um, I've, I've not seen these programs, but I've read many descriptions and reviews of it. And I think that, um, Attenborough's take from what I understand of it is alarming because it reflects the science which is alarming. But when I use the term alarmist, in fact, you know, when people involved in climate change generally use the term alarmist, they mean perspectives that go beyond the science, far beyond the science. Your, your book has got a really interesting shape to it because it's got a, a narrative of, <laughs> of, com of communities meeting and sharing on a deep level. Mm. But then you have like the first, I mean, the first third of the book is heavy, heavy going. But you, what you're trying to do is you're saying, this is ultimately almost like the bare minimum uh, of, of what, need, what we need to talk about in yeah. terms of mm. where we are right now in terms of, of climate uh, uh, science. Mm. Uh, a lot of science kind of does get overshadowed by culture war and, and corporate interests. So do you think it's possible for a new wave of engaging with the principles of science and for ordinary people in the UK, for example, to just go, okay, science matters, we, can, we have some nuance, or do you think it's, it's the culture war has kind of taken over? Well, uh, I can only say I hope so. And you know, you have to ask what is your relationship to truth? And in that central part, in the, in the middle part of the book, so, you know, in the first, um, the first chapter's introductory, in the next three chapters, I outline the current state of the art, what I call consensus expert science of the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. And I'm doing that because we have to lay out what we understand about the reality. Now, in my view, mostly we only know what we think we know about climate science because of the climate science. So if we either deny the climate science and play down climate change, or if we exaggerate it to try and get more people out in the streets and worked up about it, because we think that's the only way that will get people motivated, either way, we are departing from the science. And, I, and I, I, I believe there's a principle here, you know, tell the truth, as Extinction Rebellion puts it, or as Jesus had it, the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. And the, the really interesting thing about both, um, you know, Gandhi was his use of Satyagraha as truth force, the, the, the central dynamic of nonviolence. 
and also the New Testament, is that both satya and aletheia, the, word, the Greek word used in the New Testament for truth, both of them also mean reality. Both of them mean reality manifested. So it is truth to reality that sets us free. And that is why, you know, I think we must firmly face the alarming realities of climate change. Yeah. But to either deny them and make out, you know, it's not going to be too bad, we'll get around it and we don't need to worry too much. Or on the other hand, to exaggerate it and say we're all going to die, you know, whatever. Um, both of those things remove us from reality. Um, inevitably, when, when, when people uh, are confronted with the, the truth and the reality, uh, you know, they don't feel like they're going to get set free. They feel perhaps guilt or, or, or some sense of like um, responsibility, wanting to figure out how, what can I practically do? So what, what do you say to someone who says, what's, what's my next step? Yeah, um, you know, I say, if in doubt, what to do with your life feeds the hungry and you know in in the book i i highlight the un's 17 sustainable development goals affordable and clean energy um responsible consumption and production peace justice and strong institutions and and, and I, I just say to people you know work on any one of these or any combination of these and, you know, people will look at number um, eight and say decent work and economic growth. How can that be part of sustainable development? Well, there we need to distinguish between countries that are too rich and countries that are too poor. And, you know, if you're living in poverty, you need more economic growth. You need decent housing and food and yeah. so on. So I say to people, you know, feed the hungry, literally or metaphorically. Um, go down and volunteer in your local nature reserve and engage in ecological regeneration. Um, go, go and help out at the food bank. Any of these things is part of making us whole people in a whole world. Yeah, that's beautiful. You talk about uh, the four C's in your book. Yeah. And, and can you just, just run quickly through, through those? Yeah, yeah. Um, first of all, when I talk about the four C's in Riders of the Storm, I, I have a caveat. I say whenever somebody packages something up into an act for name or the for this or something like that. Always have your bullshit detectors turned on. You see? And yeah. notice what I'm doing there. I'm, I'm, I'm pushing people, think for yourself. All I'm doing is throwing out some suggestions that I've neatly packaged, but don't think that's the whole picture. It's only an aid along the way. And if you stick too closely to the method, it so easily becomes a trap. But let me go into them. Uh, they're um, clearance, collapse, consumption, and community. And so I come at this as somebody whose main reputation is for land reform, for being one of the leaders of the land reform movement in Scotland, which reconnects people into communities of place. And we've now got 3% of Scotland's land with some 500 community land trusts established in Scotland. That's where I'm coming at this from. And the, the work I did in the 1990s, especially um, on bringing the Isle of Egg into community ownership. And the reason I'm doing that, Joe, is that when people are able to own their place collectively, when, when a community rather than a landlord or corporation or whatever owns the place where you live, 
the community can make decisions, including renewable energy, affordable social housing, setting up local enterprises, and the whole empowerment that comes mm. from people, grassroots, democratically being able to run their own place. So that's where I'm coming from. And I look at it historically, you know, in England, you had the enclosures. In Scotland, we had the clearances, the highland clearances, but also the lowland clearances and so on. Um, in Ireland, you had the whole colonization and the famine. You had similar things across many other parts of the world. And what we see there is people being ripped up by their roots, ripped up by their roots, removed from their embedded, the embeddedness, as a sociologist Anthony Giddens would call it the embeddedness of their connection of place. And as Giddens points out, when that happens, you shift over to money being the measure of meaning. Right, you yeah. shift over to commoditization. I think that's a very important insight. Okay, so you've got that primal collapse, which then becomes intergenerationally embedded. You know, I'm speaking to you from Govan in Glasgow, where I live, we're surrounded by poverty in many people's circumstances. And that's intergenerational. You know, many of these people were embedded in the land a few generations ago, but they've come in the city and then the tide of the Industrial Revolution has gone out and left many of them high and dry. So the clearance leads to inner collapse because psychologically you see it on Native American reservations very clearly. When people are disconnected from connections placed in one another, psychologically an inner collapse comes about and they become vulnerable to the third sea of consumption whether it's alcohol and drugs or whether it's more subtle forms of standard mainstream materialistic consumption. In my experience and work, the antidote is community. We have to rekindle community. Community with one another, with society, uh, community with the divine, with the spiritual, with soul, uh, community with the earth, with soil. Soil, soul and society, as Satish Kumar has neatly encapsulated it. We have to rebuild communities. So, you know, my most fundamental answer in Riders on the Storm as to what can we do about climate change? What, you know, especially if we have ordinary people with no extraordinary power, as the poet Adrienne Rich puts it, what can we do? She says, we can reconstitute the world. My heart is moved by all I cannot change. So much has been destroyed. I have to cast my lot with those who, age after age, perversely, with no extraordinary power, reconstitute the world. Adrian Rich. The book is, is personal. Your, your deep affection for the Outer Hebrides uh, and, and your connection to it comes through. And uh, it seems that, um, you know, when, when communities meet, there's something uh, if you spend enough time, you'll find these deep moments of, of connection. In the book, I bookend it. I, I start and, and I finish in the final two chapters with a group of community leaders from West Papua province in, of all places, the Indonesian side of New Guinea. Now, I, I spent four years working in neighboring Papua New Guinea, and those Melanesian Pacific peoples taught me so much of what I know about land reform, uh, about land and, uh, and, and community. And so, you know, we had those people come to Scotland last year, these communi grassroots community leaders, and we took them around community land trusts. And at the end of it, you know, their bottom line is, you know, what we are seeing here, here is that these people 
are able to make community because they have love. And they have love because they know God. Mm. So you've got that integration of soil, soul, society. The foundation of community, it, it, it is our membership. You know, St. Paul on one of his good days spoke about being members one of another. Mm. We're profoundly interconnected. We're not just the egos all bashing at each other and knocking each other out until there's only two left and in the end there's only number one left. Uh, we are actually profoundly interconnected. Mm. But the problem, Joel, and the, you know, what is so often missed in spiritual work is that in order to get from this individuality of, if you like, our atomized separate fingernails down to the participation or partaking of a divine nature, or as Hinduism would have it, um, Atman, the individual soul, ultimately is Brahman, is one with the universal soul, or we are all Buddha nature, or we are all branches of the goddess, however you want to express it. In order to get from here to here, we have to go through here. We have to do our work with the shadow. The shadow was Carl Jung's term for the sides of ourselves we are in denial of, that we have repressed, or which have never had the opportunity to grow into being. And so spiritual work is not just about the bells and smells and feeling good. Spiritual work is about working with one another individually and collectively to come to terms with what blocks us from realizing our full potential. Mm. And, you know, when the UN talks about sustainable development, I unpack in, in, in writers of the, on the storm, I, I, I unpack in here that word development, which is de envelope, to unfold the envelope, to unfold what is wrapped up and to self-realize and collectively do that also, what it means to be a human being on this planet in these times. And so to me, Joel, I don't despair about climate change. Rather, I see climate change as a call to deepen our human beingness. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for uh, writing this book and for uh, introducing <laughs> us to it. It is complex. It is uh, poetic. It's a, it's a beautiful read and, and it's very, very timely. So really, really appreciate your time. Thank, Thank you. you so much, Joel. Thanks for being with us today and a huge thank you to Alistair McIntosh. We've got some things coming up. Uh, you'll, if you follow us on social media, you'll see there's a whole bunch of events that have, that have popped up recently between now and um, the new year. Um, we're starting a special Advent project in the next, in the next week or so where uh, we're posting out some fun stuff for Advent, including like a make your own Advent wreath with candles. So if you'd like to receive that in the post, I'm posting a link below and you can can sign up to receive that. If you're in our uh, Connect and Community group, you can also sign up just to receive some other special things in the post. We're going we're starting a little scheme where we're, we're, uh, there's going to be a team that sends some things around and checking with people on the phone. So if you'd like to be part of that, you're very, very welcome to join our Connect um, and Community group on Facebook and you can find the links there. So with all that said, we're gonna close with the blessing that we share every week. May we live fully, may we love wastefully, and may we have the courage to be all that God has created us to be.